These are Nebraska corn farmers. They work in acres, not hours, harvesting the energy and climate solutions the world needs. We are proud to stand with you. The success of tomorrow's soy industry depends on the actions we take today. The future is here, and the time to move is now. Market Journal, Television for Agricultural Business Decisions is a presentation of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources in partnership with the Nebraska Rural Radio Association. Promotional support provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine and partial funding provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board. Greetings to you from the Sunshine State. I'm Brian Stuskin and thank you so much for joining us today on Market Journal. Cattlemen and cattlewomen from across the country gathered this week here in Orlando for the annual Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show. Coming up on today's broadcast, we'll bring you some insights within the cattle industry. Plus, the 2024 Eastern Nebraska Corn and Soybean Expo recently took place, so stay tuned for a pair of interviews from that event. It's 70 and sunny here in Florida, but Eric Hunt is standing by back in Nebraska to give us the latest when it comes to weather. We'll get into all of those stories coming up here on the show, but first, there is plenty of fun to be had at events like the Cattle Industry Convention, but there's also a lot of work to be done. Leaders of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, the Beef Checkoff, and others spent time this past week deliberating the future direction for their respective organizations. The Nebraska cattlemen were well represented within meetings for NCBA. In particular, the organization focused on policy decisions. We learn more now with Laura Fields. She's Executive Vice President of the Nebraska Cattlemen. Let's talk about some of the activities from the Nebraska perspective down here as part of the NCBA policy discussions. Big picture, what's happening? Yeah, you know, this is such an important meeting for cattle producers across the country. It's a great time to come together, meet up with people that you know, really see the people from your own state come together and talk about policy and things that are important. Um, we'll spend the next couple days in all the policy committees hearing about the important um, agendas for all those committees and where they're going to go and what we can do to help keep cattle, produ cattle production profitable and, and working well with as few hurdles as possible. So um, we're starting off this morning with an, an issues update from the D.C. office, and so I'm excited to hear what they've got going on. And then we'll jump right into policy meetings this afternoon and start talking about the key issues. Nebraska has a, a big seat at the table in terms of leadership. You've got several members that are chairing some of the committees, right? Yeah, we do. We've got four of the committees that have Nebraska leadership on them. Uh, Jacqueline Wilson's with the Interna and the International Trade Committee. Ken Hers is with Animal and Food Policy. Mike Drennan with Live Cattle Marketing. And then Barb Cooksley's on the pro Property Rights Environmental Management. And probably, um, you know, seeing that leadership in those committees is such a good thing for us to have. We, we always know what's going on. They're good at, at giving us information and they engage us in there. And we're also really excited and honored this year to see Buck Wehrmine be going up the leadership chain and he's the, he'll be the new president after convention. So it's going to be a good year for Nebraska. So NCBA touts grassroots advocacy efforts and policy. We want to learn how that, how that works exactly, but I suppose that starts within the Nebraska Cattlemen structure and works its way here. So talk about uh, how you all vote on things here at the national level and how that begins uh, locally back in Nebraska. Yeah, it all starts at home. You know, we have our annual convention every December and that's where our membership, the, the voting on the policy is open to all the membership. So we have our own policy committees. We've got six at Nebraska Cattlemen. 
those committees will sort through the issues under their um, headlines and then they'll pass those issues out to the full membership. Once that policy is adopted, that's what we live by to come here. So when we get to NCBA and there's a policy resolution that comes forward here, we fall back on what our policy says in Nebraska. So sometimes we agree with it, sometimes we don't. We bring it forward if there's a chance to change it. I think it's the most important part of the grassroots process is that people, people sometimes think that dissension is bad, but unless you're here and you're able to express those opinions or you're bringing those opinions for your state, nothing's really going to get done. So it's a time to come and find common ground, but also to disagree and stand up for what you think. On the policy front, any particular issues that are going to be discussed this week that you think Nebraska producers should know about? Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of talk people have probably seen um, on the notion of, of electronic identification and disease traceability. It's something that Nebraska Cattlemen has been talking about for over 20 years. I, I keep saying 20 years, but really it's been um, on our policy books for a long time. We've always supported animal identification for disease traceability purposes. Um, there's, there's some movement on some rulemaking happening in D.C., and one of the things that's important in that discussion is us being able to work with our congressional delegation to make sure that those programs are funded so that the costs don't fall totally back on the producers. I think that issue is going to get a lot of discussion while we're here. Um, I know there are some policies out there with some of the federal disaster programs, which is a huge thing for Nebraska, um, especially with the winter weather we've had. We had heat this summer, so there's some discussion on some of the risk, risk management programs and, and, and those type of things that are going to come up in committee. So, um, and then I'm always surprised because something will come up that I wasn't planning for. So um, I'm looking forward to those. But I think those are really a couple of issues that are, are ones that we're tuned into really close. My thanks to Laura for spending a few of her moments with us down here at the convention. If you'd like to learn more about specific policy discussed, head on over to RuralRadioNetwork.com. We'll have a full write-up of the convention. You can find that under the Livestock News tab. Up next, when it comes to growing crops, success begins in the soil. Upcoming conferences in Nebraska will shed a light onto the best practices when it comes to boosting your soil health. The 2024 Soil Health Conference aims to foster an environment of collaboration and knowledge sharing. We learn more about two events planned with one of the organizers from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Joining us from Nebraska Extension is Katja Cooler Cole. Katja, great to see you. Thank you for coming back. Yeah, thank you for having me. Let's talk about, uh, you've got a pair of events this year. What are the, uh, the dates and locations? Yeah, so we're excited to offer our annual longstanding soil health conference at two locations this year. Uh, one will be on February 29th in West Point at the West Point Nielsen Community Center. And the other one, similar program, will be at Hastings on March 5th at the Adams County, uh, Adams County Fairgrounds. Sorry. Okay, who do you want to attend? What can people gain from uh, attending one of those two events? Um, we are inviting farmers, ranchers, NRCS people, NRD folks, and anyone else interested in soil health. What uh, are some of the topics you plan to cover, Katya? Yeah, we have a variety of speakers that are coming in, so they're talking about soil health practices such as cover crops, um, using um, grazing, bringing in some livestock, doing manure, um, and benefits of, of more diverse crop rotation. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of different topics that we're covering. Talk about your research and uh, your education when it comes to soil health broadly. What are some of the things you've learned over the past few years that uh, pique the interest of Nebraska ag producers? So cover crops is definitely a hot topic. More and more people are trying it out. There's still a lot of unknowns. So um, more and more people are experimenting with mixes. Um, However, cereal rye for a corn soybean rotation is still a really good choice. 
Um, another thing we're really proud of Nebraska producers for making such, uh, such big improvements in, in going no-till or reducing tillage. Is there a cost to attend these events? There's no cost to attend the events. Our sponsor, uh, Nebraska Soybean Board, has been really generous over the years. So there's no cost, lunches included. So come and bring a friend. Need to register? If so, what's the best way for people to do so or perhaps just learn more information? We're asking people to register online. Um, the easiest way to find us is probably just Google UNL Soil Health Conferences. You'll find our website and you can sign up there. Thanks again to Katja for taking the time to sit down with us. The Eastern Nebraska Soil Health Conference will be held Thursday, February 29th at the West Point Nielsen Community Center in West Point, Nebraska. The Central Nebraska Soil Health Conference will be held March 25th at the Adams County Fairgrounds located in Hastings. If you'd like to register for one of the events, visit the Market Journal website. We'll have a link right there on our homepage. Well, the cattle inventory report comes out twice a year and it contains the inventory numbers for all cattle and calves for the United States. Many of the industry look to this report for an indication if cattle producers are finally starting to hold on to some heifers for breeding. It came out on Wednesday afternoon and shortly thereafter, we caught up with a cattle market analyst here in Orlando. Joining us here at the 2024 Cattle Industry Convention is Don Close from uh, Terrain. Don, we always enjoy getting your perspective on the, the cattle industry here, particularly at this convention. So good to see you here. And we've got a cattle inventory report to talk about. What was the headline uh, for this year's, for this January's report? I think the headline is it's bullish. Now, you can make the argument, okay, was it reasonably close to estimates on the, on the top line numbers? Yeah. Yep. But to me, the, the real bullish component of, of the report is the available supply of cattle outside feed yards down 4.3%. That's a huge number. And, you know, just we, as, as that available supply for feeders tightens up, the strength it will put under that calf and yearling market as we go through the year. We continue to see the number of the herd get smaller and smaller with each one of these reports that comes out. A lot of our viewers will know why that is, but let's talk about the big picture factors of the industry right now. What's leading us to this small herd? You know, the, I think there's a, a lot of them remember the 2014-2015 market. They were all pers persuaded to chase the, the market for females and remember that didn't work out well for them. I think the age demographics of producers is, is playing a bigger role all the time. A lot of guys just to an age that they don't know that they want to do that anymore. I think the, the interest rate markets that we've been dealing with for the last two years certainly adds a component to that purchase or ownership of females that makes it more of a challenge. And then the biggest one is, given the drought constraints that we've had over so many parts of the country, that producer hasn't been in a position to expand even if he wanted to. So, primarily drought, but a culmination of factors. Yeah. It kind of plays into the conversation that's being uh, brought up of when will the herd, when will people start to rebuild the herd? You yeah. want to throw some thoughts out there on that topic? I do. I, <clears throat> I think that the biggest prohibitor, as we just talked about, has been weather. Mm -hmm. um, I talked to, to producers in the Oklahoma, Texas area just last week and they said, you know, we've had a number of all this moisture moving across the country. We've had a, a number of short quarter inch rains really support wheat pasture growth, but we haven't seen that deep soaking rain to recharge pasture conditions. So 
I think that's the the big big limit limitation. I also think there's a factor in just that fear factor that we'll get to that point that they all want to expand and they're all going to get there the same day. You know, so when it starts, it'll go full force. When we're at this point in the cattle industry, people start to share their thoughts on how we could rebuild differently mm -hmm. moving forward. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that conversation? I think that, is that a possibility? I think it's a huge possibility and I think it's a great question because as we were just talking about the average age of producers, I think when we see this bill back and ones on down the road, a new generation of producers will take over, but I think the model that they're working under, there'll be larger producers, there'll be more professional, instead of farming and have a set of cows or have a, an off-farm job and a set of cows, I think this new generation of producers will be full-time cow owners, but at a bigger scale than the, the classic average ownership of 45, 47 cows. What's the demand picture look like here domestically, but uh, perhaps also internationally for beef? I think it looks incredibly well, good. You know, we, we did see a contraction in, in U.S. beef exports in 2023. The, the strength of the dollar, just flat price of our product, that will probably continue to be an issue. We've got the whole global volatility. You know, which corner of the world you want to look at, we've got that uncertainty and volatility. That's a factor. But the U.S. is so well positioned to be the world source for high quality product. And that's not going to change. On the domestic front, Terrain's been doing a lot of work in looking at real per capita expenditures of all of the species of protein, but we've, we're drilling down even further on the beef side and looking at expenditures by quality grade of beef. And when we took it to a, a, a hard dollar number, beef demand is still incredibly strong. The demand for that high end product, even though it has eased away from the, the exorbitant spending we were doing with all the free COVID money, it's still very, very strong. And a lot of that support in beef has actually come from at the expense, particularly broilers and to a degree pork. So consumers are still voting with their dollars that they want beef. What's happening in the beef industry right now that perhaps is not getting enough attention? Wow. I think that's that's probably the most difficult question I've been asked. Um, I think the the volatility and the exposure that these owners deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and just how to manage the volatility when prices get this high is probably the biggest challenge they have. Is there a piece of advice you want to leave us with as uh, beef cattle producers look at the year ahead? I, I think I would, I would just rehash everything we've talked about that certainly the contraction of, of supply in this report every bit as much if not more contraction than what was expected no visible uh, retention of females as of yet and that uh, overall beef demand is still very good we'll keep an eye on it don thank you appreciate thank your you. time thank you
Our next week on the show, we'll be back focusing on the grain markets. Luke Beckman from Central Valley Ag is going to be our guest on the markets desk. Up next, Leon Kreisel and his wife Cheryl run their farm and seeding, cleaning, and marketing business near Gurley, Nebraska. The family has been instrumental when it comes to partnering with the University of Nebraska Lincoln researchers in the development of a new waxy proso millet variety. That variety shows promise for human consumption, opening new markets for millet growers. You can learn more in the February issue of the Nebraska Farmer. Let's look ahead to what's happening in the world of weather. Nebraska Extension Ag Climatologist Eric Hunt is joining us now. Eric, what should we be keeping an eye on as we move into the week ahead? Thanks, Bryce. The first thing I'm watching out for is a storm system moving into the central U.S. this weekend. Uh, by Saturday morning, we should have precipitation over most of the state. Uh, the biggest uncertainty with precipitation right now is over the eastern sixth of the state, where it's a little uncertain whether we'll get a half inch or we'll get a little bit less than a quarter inch or maybe even not much at all. Uh, much better chance of getting a half inch of rain or a little bit more in Gothenburg, Holdridge, Kearney, Grand Island. Um, again, some places may even see a bit more than an inch. So we get into parts of the Panhandle, particularly around Kimball and Sydney. There is a chance of getting some snow there on Saturday and Sunday, Sunday morning. Again, I don't think we're looking at huge accumulations, but definitely look up, be on the lookout for some snowfall in that area. Uh, I am very confident of mild conditions persisting through next week, particularly in the eastern portion of the state. Uh, I think we look at temperatures generally in the 40s and 50s and maybe even a couple of days where we might flirt with 60 in the eastern third of the state. Um, as we head toward Friday, we'll start cooling off a little bit, but still probably a little bit above average. Late in the week, we are seeing a storm system moving back into the central U.S. Uh, again, the details on this are still a little fuzzy. I'm filming this on Wednesday afternoon, so that forecast is still just a little bit out in the, uh, not quite clear yet. Uh, but we should expect some more precipitation by next weekend in most of the state. I think mostly in the form of rain, but, you know, Valentine or to shatter, and I can't guarantee you that it wouldn't be in the form of snow. Uh, again, the CPC is quite bullish on precipitation across most of the central U.S. Uh, as we head into the middle of February. Uh, mild temperatures are expected to continue through the middle of the month. Again, mostly in the eastern U.S., I think as we get uh, toward the later portions period, most of Nebraska, I think, will be closer than your normal uh, category as that troughing as currently in the western U.S. will start moving its way toward the east. Uh, right now, the CPC is projecting February to be above average for, for precipitation for the majority of the state, uh, with the exception of the very far east, and there's just equal chances. Again, I would feel fairly confident about this forecast verifying this, given that we're supposed to get uh, upwards of an inch of rain uh, for places that were that might be your monthly average total in February. Uh, temperatures are expected to be above average uh, across most of the northern U.S. in the month of February. I feel very confident about this verifying for the first half of the month. There is a chance that we could see some activity with the polar vortex later in February. If that happens, the eastern U.S. may turn a lot colder, so this forecast may only verify for portion of the month, certainly not the entire month, but right now that's what's the uh, official forecast. We have seen some improvements in the drought monitor. Uh, again, this is from last week, but we're not expecting any changes this week. Uh, the good news is we did see eradication of the extreme drought in the entire portion of East Central Nebraska. So we now have no extreme drought anywhere in the state for the first time since March of 2022. Uh, it was a bone dry week across the state with the exception of portions of southeastern Nebraska. And we are starting to see soil moisture percentiles creep up a little bit across eastern and central Nebraska with the snow melt. Uh, still seeing lower percentiles across southwestern Nebraska and the southern panhandle. Uh, the good news, though, is that area should get some decent moisture uh, this weekend. And soil temperatures are generally kind of right around the freezing mark, maybe a little bit above in places where we've been a little bit warmer lately. But again, this is from Tuesday. I think by Friday, Saturday, these numbers will be somewhat higher. So I think any rain that does fall has a decent chance of actually making it into the ground. 
Uh, we have definitely seen more snow than usual across most of northern hemisphere. So anything in blue here are positive anomalies of snowfall since November. Uh, we have seen pockets of the U.S., uh, particularly upper Midwest and northern plains, where we've been a bit low on snowfalls. Minnesota, for example, has not seen much. It's also been pretty cloudy across a lot of the U.S. the last month. So if, yeah, if you thought the gloom was bad last month, this verifies it. Thanks. Back to you, Bryce. All right. Thank you very much, Eric. We appreciate it. Finally today, the Nebraska's Soybean Board is seeking farmer leaders to represent fellow soybean farmers in several districts around the state. During last week's Eastern Nebraska Corn and Soybean Expo, we had the opportunity to catch up with the Nebraska Soybean Board Director Jason Penke to find out what kind of qualifications they're seeking in applicants. We're going to be talking about a couple of the openings you have to serve as a district director on the Nebraska Soybean Board, but first tell me, why did you run? for this position, uh, well, I guess now you're the chairman. Why did you get involved at the first place? Yeah, I guess so. I've been on the board five years now. Um, you know, I first got involved in it with uh, just wanting to get a little more information on the soybean board, um, trying to trying to figure out where your soybeans go after you dump them off at the elevator. You know, it's it's one of those things where you sell them and you, you unload the truck and they just kind of go away. And it was, you know, where do they go from there? Um, had some other people around the area that had been on the soybean board in the past or had talked to them and and uh, they said it was pretty eye-opening so that's why I first started to run and and uh, went on in 2019. So. Sure there's been a lot of things you've learned but maybe what's one thing that surprised you about uh, the soybean checkoff here in Nebraska through the experiences you've had? Um, I guess the one thing biggest thing that has surprised me on on uh, the checkoff is how much goes into, I wouldn't call it the, the background, but how much goes into the whole industry mm -hmm. as a whole and, and what all the different uses that are coming um, through with soybeans, uh, the different research that the university has done, uh, the, the uses on uh, that we're finding out with crush and, and uh, new livestock uses that uh, it's just really cool how the industry is growing and, and taking off. So talk a little bit about the board. What kind of involvement is there? How many uh, district directors do you have? What do the meetings look like? Okay, so with our board, we have nine, we have eight districts and then one at large. Uh, so there's nine board members, uh, generally five meetings a year uh, that we meet. We kind of go around the state, meet at a few different places. Um, we'll have some industry people come in and talk to us also. And then uh, we, we will go around and uh, uh, we will look at the different research projects, the different promotional um, projects that get brought up to us and, and try to see how we can best utilize the checkoff dollars to uh, uh, promote soybeans the best for our Nebraska farmers. So you have three positions open. You're looking for a farmer, farmer leaders to step up and uh, run for one of those positions. What's that process look like? Yeah, uh, so the process is uh, there's just a few different things that to meet the criteria. I uh, have to be at least 21 years old. Um, <clears throat> you have to be 21 years old, you have to be a uh, farmer in Nebraska in the district area and then have grown soybeans for the last five years at least. Uh, and then there's a process where you would go um, get 20 signatures to get your name put on the ballot of other farmers that are in your area. Um, after that, you do that by I think April 15th is when they have to be turned in by and then the vote will go out uh, to your district and you'd be put on the ballot. and and then uh, if voted on, you become in October of this year would be 
would be the term starting. Okay. So. I'm sure there are some leadership experience would be helpful to serve in this position, but there's not any prerequisites beyond that. Any farmer leader in those districts can step up and go get the 20 signatures, right? Absolutely. I mean, everybody has a fit somewhere. Um, some people like to like to go and, and look more into research. Some people are more into, um, you know, domestic uses. Some people are more into the educational side. So uh, we have different uh, different committees that we go on and uh, you find where you fit and and inside of that is where we where we kind of channel whoever has has the best uh, best thoughts that's the way they go and and uh, you know it's it's amazing what 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 you can see out of some people what they what when you find something that drives them they they really run with it. So. Kind of pick up a passion project of sorts, which is pretty neat. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, from the perspective of the Nebraska Soybean Board, I understand you're looking for a candidate or a couple of candidates to run for the United Soybean Board. Talk about that. Yeah, so the United Soybean Board is the other half of the checkoff. Uh, so half of our Nebraska dollars stay in Nebraska, half go to the to the uh, United Board. Uh, so every year the there's always a, a position that comes up for Nebraska. Uh, this year, yeah, we're looking for people to to run for uh, the United Soybean Board to be on that 70-plus member um, board, and uh, you would represent Nebraska and the Nebraska farmers on that side. Uh, we, yeah, we generally have a few candidates that uh, that would come and interview for it. So if somebody's interested in doing that too, they turn their name in, and then. Um, I think you have to be turned in by March 15th. You come in and, and then we do an interview process and, and select our top candidates and turn them into the Secretary of Ag. So. Whether you're serving at the national level or here at the state level on the Nebraska Soybean uh, Board, has to be some camaraderie developed among you and your board members, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, we, the, you know, we're kind of spread out around the, around the state, but there's not a week that goes by where I don't talk to a board member, staff member, somebody, or see people at at uh, like this meeting at the at the Soybean Expo, or see them at different farm shows where you know you just make make new uh, make new friends and and new connections all over. So there's snow behind us, so not a lot of people getting excited about planting season just yet. But what are you most excited yeah. about for 2024? Uh, 2024, I'm the snow hasn't been fun recently, but. Uh, you know, I'm excited to have some moisture hopefully coming back into the soil. We've been, it's been a struggle the last couple of years. Uh, you know, there's there's places that are worse off than, than uh, Burke County where I'm at, but um, boy, it, it sure would be nice to see see some pastures green up, see some, some subsoil moisture and, and just start off on the right track here going into planting in 24. I agree, 100%. Jason, thanks for your time. We appreciate yeah. it. You bet. Thank you. Now, if you'd like to apply for candidacy in districts 1, 3, or 6, you're encouraged to obtain a Nebraska Soybean Board candidacy petition by contacting the Nebraska Soybean Board Executive Director. That's Andy Waddle. His, con his contact information is currently available at the bottom of your screen. Also have that information posted along with this story. Find it on the Market Journal homepage. That is going to be all the time we have for this week's show. We'll have more coming up from this year's Cattle Industry Convention at NCBA Trade Show. However, in the meantime, we invite you to follow Market Journal on social media. We share updates on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Of course, you can also subscribe to Market Journal on YouTube, where we post each weekly segment. We hope to see you back here next time. But until then, I'm Bryce Duskid, wishing you a safe and productive week. So long from Orlando.
join Market Journal online at marketjournal.unl.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Market Journal is produced by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources.